It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's the sports, sports Rush with, with Brett Rook. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all Yeah, we are just getting jiggy, taking you home on a Wednesday edition of the Sports Rush. You know why we're jiggy today? It's because we have a short show. We get out of work early today. Got to turn it over to the Purdue Boilermakers Radio Network coming up at 5.30. So our show ends at approximately, I guess, 5.26 if we have to be official and get the commercials in before the 5.30 pregame show starts. So it's going to be a packed show coming up in just a few. Mike Daly will join us. He will join us live today as he is named the new Tin Caps manager. Uh, effective yesterday, the Padres made that announcement and then the Tin Caps followed up and gave us a little bit of a bio and a background on a guy that's had a very impressive resume, a lot of it in the front office. Now he's going to join the ground troops and be down in the dugout. And so trading in, like I said yesterday, trading in the business suit and the nice golf shirt and khakis for a baseball uniform. And he will be the Tin Caps manager this year. And uh, we'll talk to him, find out. What does he know about Fort Wayne? Maybe we should have a Fort Wayne quiz for Mike Daly. <laughs> Here, well, welcome to the city. Here's some questions. <laughs> yeah, we just want to know. Are you prepared to be one of us for four months, five months this summer? One of us. Yeah. One of us. <laughs> well, the first thing we have to ask, who is the inspiration behind the Tin Caps name? Ooh, I hope he knows. Yeah, he better know. <laughs> we're the Tin Caps. Oh, we're going to be all over him on our first interview if he doesn't know who's behind the inspiration of the Tin Caps name. We know you just got here. Yeah, we know. Yeah, we know it's it's new to you, but do your homework. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, he'll join us. Also, it's going to be our favorite guest on the program, Kent Sterling, joining us around four thirty-five. Hour number two. Uh, chat with Maria Marcasano. They've got a big game coming up tonight against Cleveland State out at the Gates Center, and we'll talk to her coming up around 5.15. All right, so, Adam. Yes, sir. Last night, Indiana, they revealed, or should I say they revealed <laughs> something last night that got them the winning formula. They sure did. Anthony Leal, Gabe Cups, big buckets last night for the Hoosiers, and Indiana gets the win over the Iowa Hawkeyes. I don't know why we are excited about a win over <laughs> Iowa. If you're an Indiana fan, it's like, is this a court storming uh, to beat Iowa because the way the season has gone? But it is almost like that that type of feeling that it was such relief to get that big win. And it's like it's not that big, but it is a win. And I guess 
you know, maybe in, if you're still holding out hopes that Indiana can make some kind of a run at the bubble and, and make it into the NCAA tournament by some act of magic or divine <laughs> intervention. Uh, but uh, Indiana gets the win by six last night. Ironically, the six points were actually scored at the three-point line. Indiana it was eight of 22. Iowa just six of 22. And that's the story of the ball game. End quote. Drop the mic. <laughs> Indiana with two more threes last night. And that's six points, right? No more analysis needed. And they won by six. <laughs> Don't need to dissect any more of this basketball game. Right there it is, black and white, in the stats. They actually hit three-pointers. They hit eight of 23. Wow. And, uh, no, last night, Anthony Leal, where have you been, my friend? Why has Mike Woodson not been playing you? What, uh, you know, you're four years into the program. Why weren't you more uh, a more valuable part of this team up to this point, because last night he was clearly a a key cog for the Indiana Hoosiers, who had to overcome injuries to two of their starting players who had to leave the game and may not be back this season. And one of them, I think, is is very costly in uh, Malik Renew. The other is Xavier Johnson. And say what you want about Xavier Johnson, and we've had plenty of things to say about Xavier Johnson, but you do feel bad for anybody who who has that kind of fall, and something just didn't bend right from the wrist to the elbow. So I I don't know exactly what the injury is, if he could have broken his arm, if he could have separated something. It just didn't look right when he landed. Uh, And so those two had to leave the game with injuries, and Indiana was still able to overcome an Iowa team that after being down by, what was it, 16 or 17 points in that first half, Iowa surged ahead and then Indiana, um, uh, Indiana came back and reclaimed the lead, took the basketball game. And so I, I guess when all is said and done, a win is a win, and every win's a good win. So we'll take it. If you're an Indiana fan, mark it up. Indiana gets the victory. What's Indiana on the season now? They are 13 and 8. And their Big Ten record? Five and five. Oh, they're evened up. Yes, sir. I know what five and five is. That's the Mastodon's record right now in the Horizon League. So. Uh, Indiana, middle of the pack in the Big Ten with a five and five mark, and uh, but Anthony Leal, really the story last night. I mean, you look at Anthony Leal through the first nineteen games this season because we really saw the first glimpses of Mike Woodson finally giving Leal an opportunity in that road game against Illinois, and so through nineteen games he had scored a grand total of twelve points. In the last two games, he has scored a combined total of 15 points. So in two games, he he has outdone the number he had through the first 19 games. Uh, In the first 19 games, he was two for three from three-point land. Here's a team that is struggling to shoot threes, and you've got a guy sitting on your bench who's hitting 67%. I know it's only three shots, but it's like, let the guy go out. What I mean, what can he do? The team took nine and couldn't make any. He took three and made two of them. Um And he was four for five overall from the field in his first 19 games. Uh, Just in the last two games, uh, he's hit five of seven field goals. um, And uh, and he's also two for two at the free throw line, which uh, matches the number of free throws he's made in the first 19 games. So uh, Anthony Leal has stepped up. And, and, And again, I don't know if this is... 
uh, more of an indictment on Mike Woodson or credit to Anthony Leal for stepping up when the team needed him. He came through and delivered on his home floor. He had 15 points or 13 points last night. But I do think you have to ask the question. For a team that has struggled to shoot the basketball and has had weak guard play through most of the year, where's he been? It's a good question. <laughs> was I mean, it's, it's, was Woodson just trying to aim for lineup consistency, not wanting to shake things up? But, I mean, we've seen him, you know, change the starting lineup before, so I don't know if that's it. Uh, well, he changed it. I think he was punishing yeah, Xavier was Johnson and put Gabe Cups in. Yeah. And, and Xavier Johnson still played 20-some minutes that game, so it wasn't a big punishment. Just so, didn't get your name introduced before the game started. But, uh, but the bottom line is Anthony Leal showed something over yep. the last two games because I, I thought... And here's my thinking, is that Indiana may have been better on Saturday in a loss at Illinois than they were last night in a win against Iowa. And sometimes wins and losses don't measure performance. I thought Indiana might have actually played overall a little better game against Illinois than they played against Iowa. But Iowa's not the same opponent. You had the game at home, and Indiana was able to find a way to beat Iowa. They weren't able to beat Illinois in that final minute, but... Um, but in both games, the one constant was Anthony Leal was playing significant minutes. And I think you got to see more of Anthony Leal. He brings some athleticism. He'll defend. He'll distribute. And he can hit the three. And you just don't have enough shooters right now if you're Indiana. And you may not have enough interior play either because uh, Malik Renew went down in the first half, some type of an ankle injury. I've heard things, everything from some kind of a foot injury to ankle to things that would keep him out for months. And so I don't know if there's anything that's officially been put out or posted, but it, it doesn't look good. Doesn't look good at all. Uh, for Indiana. And uh, without Malik Renew and then you lose Xavier, John- Xavier Johnson, I... I think they can they can make up for Xavier Johnson, and in some ways, I almost feel like it's addition by subtraction. I think Indiana could be a better team. Uh, again, I I didn't see that much from Xavier Johnson last night, where I'm like Indiana's a better team when he's on the floor. I just don't see it. But uh, but we'll see uh, what the injury status is for both of those guys. But it's uh, plenty of concern that they could both be out for the year. So. I guess now that you got the win, how do you feel about Indiana's future? Do you feel that much better? One win? Did it make a difference? Are you feeling optimistic that that that's the sign you needed? Yeah, last night was what you needed to see. Indiana is now going into February with momentum. It's all about playing your best basketball in the last month of the regular season. This is when it starts. Do you feel better about Indiana where they're at? I don't. You know, I think if you didn't have the injuries, you might feel a little bit better that the last couple of games have shown hope and promise. But I still don't think you put yourself in a position where even hope and promise is going to get you into the NCAA tournament. No, and we haven't seen them get a win against one of these marquee teams that we said they needed to get. Yeah, they just had three chances and lost all three. They sure did. Purdue, Wisconsin, Illinois lost all three. Those were the games they needed. They needed one and probably two, and they didn't get any of them. Nope. And then now looking at the remaining schedule, their only chances come at Purdue at Mackey, which, I mean, you know, yeah, that's a whole thing. And then they got to go uh, up against Wisconsin, which is a ranked team. But other than that, you know. But they will have Wisconsin at home. They do, at Assembly Hall. Uh, which could make a difference. It could. 
But because they've had no luck going up to Wisconsin. No, so no, no luck up there in the. They, they still don't beat Wisconsin very often either place. But. <laughs> but those are the teams they need to beat on the remaining schedule. And I just don't know if they can win either of those games. Well, and and uh, well, and then you got to beat everybody else too. That's I mean, you, you just don't have much of a margin for error. You just can't afford losses at this point. Nope. We just um, got a text on the text line four six eight six two. They said the Hoosiers need to beat either Purdue or Wisconsin in order to make the tournament. They do not have any elite wins, so they're on the same page here. And 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 they can't give back a bad loss. No, they can't lose to a Michigan or a Penn State. Or, yeah, can't can't give up a game like that. Do they have Northwestern? They do on the eighteenth. Where's it at? It is at Assembly Hall. Okay. Because I was going to say, you don't want to go into Northwestern. They've already gone into Nebraska. Did they go to – I don't remember if they went to Northwestern. Um, sometimes trying to keep track of four or five college schedules all in my <laughs> head is just too much for me. But uh, but anyway, we'll see what happens. But that was last night, Hoosiers basketball. 46862, Sparkview Sports Medicine text line, by the way. If you'd like to text your comments, your thoughts – 46862, the Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Last night, girls' sectionals got underway. Yeah. And a couple of games went pretty much like we expected them to be. Uh, it was Homestead and Columbia City both cruising to victories. But uh, the rivalry game between Northrop and Snyder ended up being close. Uh, I know when the schedule first came out and we had our meeting to talk about, okay, what's the broadcast schedule going to be? Who's going to be available to go out and do play-by-play and and all of that, that, uh, and we had to look at conflicts that we were going to have with other games. I know the one game that stood out before the Saturday night contest, the one game that stood out was Northrop Snyder. And we thought, can they really make it a close enough game? And I, I was trying to argue, I, I thought it could be close because it's a rivalry game. It's for your season. There's a lot on the line. Uh, Snyder is not playing for a first-round victory. Snyder is playing to get to a state championship game. While Northrop was playing to extend their season, I think the motivation might have been greater for Northrop, knowing that they had to be better than they normally would be if they were going to extend their season. And so they came in with that type of inspiration and motivation, while Snyder felt like they could just show up and be Snyder, and that was good enough to beat a team like Northrop because they're a team that's kind of above a first-round sectional game, right? Right. And this game was tight. Northrop gave them everything they could give them, and Snyder, in the end, had enough to pull out the win. But Northrop was leading that game at halftime into the third quarter. They were leading it uh, midway through the fourth quarter. I thought, boy, they're taking them down to the finish. Sure are. Putting the pressure on the Snyder Lady Panthers. Yeah, uh, but eventually Snyder did prevail. That was really – now, I know that Central Noble East Side game. Yeah, there was some talk about that. Because East Side had the gaudy record. They were, what, 21-3 and three going into that game last night. Central Noble was sitting about 500. And, uh, and I thought East Side would win. I picked East Side to win the sectional because it's at East Side. So I thought the home court would give them the advantage. Well, Central Noble knocked off East Side last night. <laughs> 47-42. Uh, Westview got the win over Cherubusco. You had uh, at South Adams, Bluffton and South Adams were first-round winners. That means Lures is going to play Bluffton Friday. Whitco will play South Adams uh let's see what else ha oh uh snyder in the uh, meantime snyder is going to advance to a friday night uh semifinal against dekalb while carroll 
gets the win over East Noble, 45-43. Tight game to start play last night at Carroll. And so Carroll will play Northside in the other semifinal, which uh, makes it appear that the likely final in at Carroll Saturday night will be Carroll against Snyder. Could be good. Uh, Columbia City, big wins for Columbia City and Homestead. Yeah. Not tested at all. So on to the semifinals for both of them, where Columbia City will play Huntington North and Homestead will take on New Haven. Um, also... We've got, um, uh, let's see, last night in 1A, you had Lakewood Park beating Elkhart Christian last night, 49-23. Lakewood Park now plays Blackhawk. That's 16-6 and versus 16-7. and Nice. In a semifinal, the other semifinal at Lakewood Park, Bethany Christian and Hamilton. Okay, so... Um, Anyway, those are your sectional scores, girls sectional scores from last night. Let's get today's top headlines. What's happening in the world of sports? Here's Adam Lundy. Thanks, Brett. The Seahawks and Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald have agreed to a deal to make him their next head coach. McDonald is receiving a six-year contract. Uh, Only 36 years old, he becomes the NFL's youngest head coach and brings to Seattle a reputation as one of the league's brightest defensive minds. Having led the Ravens to number one in points allowed, sacks, and takeaways in 2023, his second season as Baltimore's coordinator. It appears Bill Belichick won't be a head coach in the NFL next season, but if the Dallas Cowboys decide to move on from McCarthy after next season, owner and general manager Jerry Jones said there's, quote, no doubt he would work with former New England Patriots head coach, whom he calls a friend. Quote, I know him personally and I like him, Jones told the media today. There's no doubt in my mind we could work together. None. The NBA today expanded the 2024 draft into a two-night event in New York. The draft will split into first and second rounds on successive nights, June 26th and 27th, with the first round remaining at Barclays Center in Brooklyn and the second round moving to ESPN's district studios in Lower Manhattan. And there you go. Today's top headlines with Adam Lundy. This is Lara Overton from the Indianapolis Colts. You're listening to The Sports Rush with Brett Rump on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. The incomparable Ken Sterling joins us in our, well, and actually in about 15 minutes. It's hour number one. Hour number two, we have Maria Marcasano, women's basketball coach from Purdue, Fort Wayne. Right now joining us on our guest line, named yesterday by the Padres and then announced by the Tin Caps as the 2024 Tin Caps manager, the skipper. It is Mike Daly. And I guess we don't call him manager or skipper. We call him Mike. Mike, welcome to Fort Wayne. Welcome to the show. What's going on? How are you? It's an absolute <laughs> pleasure to be here. So thank you. I, Thanks uh, for calling me Mike. <laughs> I, I, uh, I got that part out of the, the uh, little Zoom call yesterday when they asked <clears throat> how you wanted to be addressed. You said, just call me Mike. So we'll, we'll just refer to you as Mike. Hey, I wanted to make sure because I know you've been doing your homework on Fort Wayne and getting prepared to be a resident of our city here uh, and I thought, well, we better check a couple of boxes and just make sure that some of these things have been covered, Mike, before you get here. So question number one in your research, do you know why the Tin Caps are named the Tin Caps? Um, I, no, I, I do not. So okay. If you could educate me, we, please. Absolutely. We're going to make sure every box is checked because we're kind of proud of all these uh, stats. And most people outside our city probably don't know. Johnny Appleseed, 
actually okay. was from Fort Wayne. Johnny Appleseed, real name John Chapman. Uh, he uh, he went around to Fort Wayne, planted uh, apple seeds, and grew apple trees, and was known for having, I guess, apples in our area. This is like back in the 1800s or whatever. Uh, but the bottom line is, we have just outside the stadium. On the sidewalk, uh, just uh, outside the outfield wall, there is mm-hmm. actually a statue of Johnny Appleseed. And Johnny Appleseed was known to wear a tin pot on his head as a hat. And so it's a tin cap, and that is how the tin caps, who were formerly the Wizards, but they changed their name to the tin caps when they moved into Parkview Field. Well, thank you. <laughs> very much for that education i actually saw the wizards play when i was scouting 20 years ago that's uh great to know i'm a little embarrassed that i did not know that but i look look forward to checking out that oh. statue out there in center field when i'm back up there yeah. in, uh on uh, march 31st it was just a cheap excuse for us to tell a great story that we uh you know we're, we're proud to be able to tell that johnny appleseed was uh it, and actually is buried here in fort wayne his gravesite is over by the Memorial Coliseum. So there's another little side fact. Uh, City of Three Rivers. Uh, we're yeah. much like Pittsburgh. We've got our three rivers. I won't make you name them. Now, that was going to be the real <laughs> trivia question. But they are the Maumee, the St. Mary's, and the St. Joe. So, Well, after I failed on that first question, I was going <laughs> to tell you that I actually did do research on that. And I know that the Maumee goes all the way up to the city of oh, my. Like, uh, Toledo and into a Lake Erie. So oh I had my. done a little research there yeah, give on him, that one. Give him a double bell for that one. That we, <laughs> that's excellent. Um, let me think if there's anything we might have missed on our, our Fort Wayne trivia and history. Uh, I think we've got most of it covered at this point. But if we come up with something else, we'll, we'll text you and make sure you're up to date by the time you get here in, uh, I guess it'd be early April. Uh, so anyway, let's talk about this because uh, when we have talked to coaches or, or when managers have taken over and we've talked to them here in Fort Wayne, generally we're talking to somebody who was a coach, might have coached actually this particular ball club in the past. Jonathan Matthews had a history here. And so, um, you know, with Brian Esposito, the year before that, he had been managing down in Indianapolis. And and so you come a little different route. Yesterday when I talked to Tinkhouse President Mike Nutter, I said it's almost unconventional because we, we see all these teams come in for the Midwest League and most of the managers maybe went from playing to being on the bench, coaching, and then eventually moving up and getting a manager's spot. But this was a role that you wanted. So explain why this was a role that you wanted to take on. Well, no, I really appreciate that. I mean, I, I think I have, have, have been fortunate, um, you know, to to work in baseball for 20-plus years now, and I've had the opportunity to see a lot of uh, quality managers and the impact that they've made on uh, players and staff. And as I've continued to get more experience on the scouting side and in the front office, um, you know, the opportunity to manage was something that I you know, really wanted to do, and I'm hopeful that I'm able to make that positive impact on players, on staff, and to uh, be a part of the, you know, Fort Wayne community. So um, it's just really, you know, being able to see, like, a lot of people model what a you know, really good manager is and the impact that they've been able to make. And I'm hopeful that I'm able to do that here in uh, the uh, upcoming season. 
Uh, I know we mentioned this yesterday on the Zoom because I think it's always a question fans have because one of the things that I think frustrates fans is getting a grasp on the fact that it's all about player development because uh, sometimes it's like why is a guy being left in the game when he needs to get a certain pitch count in for that particular day or whatever the case may be. Uh, and and I, I kind of asked you the question about the balance between trying to win games and trying to also meet what is necessary as far as player development goes. And uh, I know Fort Wayne loves winning. And uh, and the fans will let you know it. They will be there in big numbers if you put a winner out there. And we, we got spoiled last year because we had a really fun run in that second half of the season last year. But um, kind of to repeat for our audience, that sure. balance as a manager, when it gets to late innings, what goes into the decisions at this level that might be different than a decision being made by a manager at the major league level? Uh, Devil, I'm the you know, first. I love hearing that that the fans want to win because at the end of the day, you know, myself and our staff and the players, you know, we all want to win as well. So it's it, it is that balance between the individual development of the player. Um, yeah, there are opportunities out there where some players maybe need, need to go through a tough situation of you know trying to pitch out of a, a jam that you know, maybe at the major league level you would go to you know go to a a, a reliever. To be able to come in, but in that situation, uh, what's really important is that individual development for that player in that moment to see if they can, you know, work themselves out of a you know, bases loaded jam. Um, when you know maybe at the major league level you have different options, so we're constantly balancing um, that development with uh, winning. But you know, the expectation at the Petco Park there in San Diego is that we're going to win, and part of that process um, is to try to get our players ready to be able to graduate up levels, but then ultimately help the Padres win there in San Diego. Is it possible, is is it realistic to think that Ethan Salas could be wearing a Padres uniform, a a San Diego Padres uniform at some point this year? That's a a great question. That's, uh, I think that that's something that, you know, probably will be, you know, answered during the course of the year. Um, you know, he is coming into major league camp. I know that, uh, our entire organization is, Excited for that. He's clearly earned that with how he played last year. But I think time will tell there um, in terms of how fast uh, you know Ethan moves in the system. But you know what he did last year was very exciting for Ethan and for the organization for Padre fans, and we're excited to see him build upon that in the upcoming season. Did you, because you were a part of this last year, did you ever feel that there was pressure to get him moved up in the organization quickly? Because we saw him basically for no more than a cup of coffee. No, I don't think that, that there was a that there was pressure. I think if you looked at the way that Ethan you know, played there in a Lake Elsinore, um, he clearly played at a high level, um, and then we made the decision to you know move him up uh, from there. So, yeah, I think you know development is not linear, um, you know, and it's not uh, like a clear like you know step by step. So we made the decision that we felt was best for uh, Ethan and for the organization, um, and kind of you know what that looked like towards the end of. The season last year, unfortunately, at the San Antonio, it felt like he was, you know, figured it out. You know, mm-hmm. suffered a, a, a injury, but it was like a big time win for Ethan last year, and we're certainly excited with the position that he's put himself in for the for the upcoming season. You know, a guy that really excited us last year, and I'm just wondering, organizationally, was he one of the big surprises? Because I I would expect that he would have been, but Jacob Marcy. 
uh, out of central Michigan, a Midwest guy playing in Fort Wayne, having a terrific year and then getting a promotion, and now he's getting invited to camp. Yeah, Jacob had an outstanding year. I mean, to play every day there in Fort Wayne, uh, tough, durable, uh, but for him to go out there and I think what's really good about Jacob is Jacob is a two-way player. It's not just an offensive player, but he really plays a high level of a defense. But for you know what he did on both sides of the ball, control the zone, hit a lot of line drives, impact um, you know on the base pads, and play really really high defense. Clearly, had an outstanding year. Uh, you know, put himself in a great position coming into Major League Camp. Uh, and again, he's another guy that we're really excited about to see what uh, this up you know, upcoming year has in store for him. What's the uh, future of a guy like Jackson Merrill? Because he's another guy that we had a chance to see last year, and we know that the Padres are very high on Jackson Merrill. All of baseball is very high on Jackson Merrill. Uh, but there's a pretty good shortstop out in uh, San Diego right now. What's what's Jackson Merrill's situation? Is he going to move? What, what do you think the plans are organizationally for him? Yeah, I think that Jackson Merrill again. He had a very good 2023 season. He's put himself in uh, you know position here in uh, 2024 to you know be able to continue take you know taking steps in his career. Um, yeah, I think that he's going to go out to Major League Camp, and you know I think any you know player that's out there in like Jackson kind of situation, he's going to be out there to you know open the eyes of the Major League staff and AJ Preller, and I think uh, we'll be able to kind of see what it looks like out there in, uh, you know, Cactus League games in terms of, you know, where he fits um, into the organizational plans. But clearly, you know, what he did last year, starting there in Fort Wayne, playing so well, and then moving up in the system, you know, Jackson's, you know, put himself in a great spot um, to have a you know, outstanding uh, season here, uh, you know, coming up. Well, I, I tell you, we had plenty of them that got their chance to advance. But I do have to ask you, Mike, uh, once you get here, you are going to have some some time to kill because with the way the minor league schedule is set up, always having that off day, it's not like the major leagues where you might play 10 days straight. So you are going to have that consistent off day. Do you already have a foursome gathered for your off day? Or Because uh, I understand you you do golf, right? I do like to play golf. I am. Uh, there's a lot of things on the list to try to you know, figure out. I have, I have not had the opportunity to kind of put together the foursome, but if you have any recommendations – on uh, you know who to play with and maybe where to play, I am all ears. Yeah, we uh, well, I will tell you this: we we've, we've done plenty of education for you so far today, Mike. I'm not going to give you the golf courses yet. We're going to let you just absorb the Johnny Appleseed and the uh, you know the the history of Fort Wayne. Yeah, the rivers and uh, pretty impressive. You ace that Mombi River uh, question, <laughs> but uh, we're very impressed. Mike, we're looking forward to having a summer with you here in Fort Wayne. Of course, uh, we try to never take anything too seriously here. So we have a lot of fun. It's baseball. It's a sport. We're meant to have fun and enjoy it. And uh, hopefully that's what the Tin Caps give us another summer of with you at the helm. We appreciate you joining us. Hey, thank you so much. Yep, that is Mike Daly, new Tin Caps manager, joining us here on the Sports Rush. Got to take a time out because the incomparable Ken Sterling is going to join us next. This is the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. You're listening to the Sports Rush with Brett Rump on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Special abbreviated show today. We step aside at 530 for Purdue basketball as they try to get some revenge against the Northwestern Wildcats. It's at Mackey Arena this time around. 
pregame at 5.30 here at 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Also coming up in our 5 o'clock hour, women's basketball coach Maria Marcasano from Purdue-Fort Wayne will join us. Right now we want to talk more about that Indiana game last night. And to do it, joining us on our guest line is our number one guest. It is Kent Sterling. Kent, how are you? That is tremendous. I'm the number one show in Fort Fun. I, I, I am absolutely touched and honored. <laughs> and uh, Well, let's talk about last night. And Indiana gets a win, but it may be a costly one. A couple of injuries that we don't know about, but they don't look good. And, I, you know, it's so hard with Indiana knowing where to start. Do you start with the positive? Do you start? You know, it is Optimism Wednesday. I think you still do that <laughs> occasionally. Uh, but but I, I, you know, here I am focusing on the injuries first. Maybe I'm completely screwing up this Optimism Wednesday, but... Uh, Malik Renew, it doesn't look good, left the arena last night on crutches, and then you've got uh, Xavier Johnson going down. Uh, it certainly is next man up, as Mike Woodson explains, but neither one of these injuries looks like it's going to be a short-term thing. No, when you leave the, in- the, the arena, it's not because you sprained an ankle. You know, and it was a lower leg thing, so they found something out underneath that they didn't like, and and off Malik Renew went, and then Xavier Johnson with a an ill-conceived attempt at a slam uh, went down on his wrist. That doesn't look good either. Uh, and what really didn't look good was Anthony Walker kind of crying after watching Xavier Johnson hit the floor the way he did. That made you think that this is not this is not a good thing for Xavier Johnson. Uh, but to bring it back to optimism, Anthony Leal. Finally, got a real opportunity to play some extended minutes, hit shots. Uh, imagine an Indiana player actually hitting shots from outside the three-point arc. That was spectacular. And then two no-drama free throws to ice the game at the end. And, and Leal, he, he wasn't just important in his shooting. I went to the game, and I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, where is the energy on this team? And then Leal comes in. In the second half, first half, there was some energy when they went up, you know, 39-25. Second half, no energy. Leal comes in the game. The arena comes to life. The team, his teammates, they come to life. That guy brought joy. He brought energy. He brought accuracy. And that was the tonic Indiana needed to vanquish uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes and Fury's friend McCaffrey. For those that want to argue against Mike Woodson, this almost adds some fuel to the fire because it's obvious the next question is going to be, where has Anthony Leal been all season? Yeah, and that's a great question. And and really what you wind up, what you look at with Indiana, I, I think you look at a team and a program where the tail wags the dog. You know, I don't know what the agents are telling people. I don't know what's promised to guys when they come to Indiana. I have no idea. But you saw that there is no question he is one of the five guys you need on the floor more than half the minutes. And and I understood when he was injured that that didn't happen. But from a defensive standpoint, from a rebounding standpoint, especially late, he had seven rebounds last night. That's a kid that you win with, and it seems like Indiana really doesn't recruit kids you win with. They recruit kids who are really highly ranked, and and that separates them from a winning program like Purdue, who's going to be on your station tonight. 
And what you're going to hear when Purdue plays, you're going to hear about five guys who really enjoy playing the game together and and play with some precision and some sense. And, and that's not what Indiana does, and it's not what Indiana has done for a long time. That predates Woodson. You know, that goes back to Archie. It goes back to Tom, where Indiana just didn't execute, and they didn't play with a lot of joy, and there was disharmony and discombobulation. And we'll see if that continues with Renew no longer available, we assume, and Johnson kind of in the same boat. I'm going to put this into perspective, Kent. I want you to think about this. Take the uniforms off them, put them in just an anonymous gray sweatsuit, and give me Anthony Leal and Fletcher Lawyer. And now, watch them play. Don't know, you don't know who they're associated with. Watch them play, and you've got to pick one for your team. I'm telling you, four out of five, you're taking Anthony Leal. Uh, based on last night's game, I completely agree. I totally agree. I thought, I thought Leal was opportunistic, and I thought that he went about the business of getting guys into the right place at the right time. And then, you know, Fran McCaffrey and his uh, goofy little junior high press, the one-two-two zone press, Xavier Johnson and Trey Galloway on consecutive possessions drove it across the timeline, got across the timeline into the corner, the back corner, and picked the ball up, got pressed, and Indiana turned the ball over. Uh, they're in a fourth grader playing basketball in the state of Indiana that doesn't know that against a 1-2-2 press, you cannot dribble the ball over the timeline, pick it up. Yeah. I mean, that's just that's, that's basketball 101. And what Leal did when he came in, all of a sudden he comes in and he's flashing middle like you're supposed to, and they beat that zone press, and all of a sudden they're getting buckets against it. You know, I, I think that Leal was really, really, you look at the stat line and see how important he was. But I think as far as, like, basketball IQ and acumen, Leal was every bit as important to Indiana because of that. And, and you know, it, 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 that led to the box score that you see. But I thought he played really, really well, and he did. He kind of lifted that crowd. The crowd was kind of sitting on their, on their hands in that second half. And Leal comes in, hits a three, and all of a sudden the place is alive and jumping, and Assembly Hall roared again. Kent, what does Indiana do if you don't have Malik Renew? Because I think we can, at this point, assume he's out until further notice. If the the Hoosiers don't have Renew, is this all of a sudden Indiana State's offense where you might have four guards and five on the outside? What, what do you expect from Indiana? They've got to make adjustments if Renew's not on the floor. You could do that, but I think you'll see a lot more of Anthony Walker. And, and I'm, I'm going to send a note to, to Mike Woodson. If I can communicate to Mike Woodson the need to communicate to Anthony Walker that he should not shoot the ball under any circumstance, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to try to get that message sent and received because everything else, he's really, he's a pretty good defender. He's an okay rebounder. He doesn't hurt you until he shoots it. And when he shoots it, he may as well just hand it to the guy who's defending him. Um, and you can't have that from your four or from your three. But I, I kind of like the way uh, there were there were weird combinations of guys last night that I thought worked really well. And one of them, you had Cups and Galloway and uh, Leal in the backcourt. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that worked kind of well. And then if you put in Baco as kind of that fourth guard, and if you've got Ware, because Ware 
it's tough coming back from an ankle. And he came back last night, had to play 35 minutes. That's too many minutes for a guy coming back off an ankle. And hopefully he's able to go on Saturday against Penn State. And it's good it's Penn State because I think they can beat Penn State this Saturday at Assembly Hall. But if you've got Ware guarding, guarding the rim and you've got four guys on the outside who can guard the ball, I, I, I don't feel too bad about them defensively. Offensively, you've got to find a way to get points. And, and i got to tell you, uh, Brett, watching this game last night from the stands, where you're not kind of restricted to watching what TV shows you. Mackenzie Mbaco, this guy has a, a, a lack of defensive awareness that's almost historic. I mean, he, he does not know from one possession to the next where he's supposed to go. And, and I think in the end, uh, Woodson just said, look, stay with 22. No matter what happens, stay with McCaffrey. Don't leave McCaffrey, you know, so they get restricted in what they can do rotationally and in switches because when there are switches and there's kind of a mental game that needs to be played on the defensive end, Mbako is completely a lost ball in tall weeds. You know, it's kind of interesting when you look at Indiana last night, if you take Mbako shooting a four for 17 off the stat sheet, the rest of the team was 22 of 40. Uh, 50, what would that be? 55% or something in that neighborhood. Uh, they shot the ball well. I said earlier, though, it's really simple. When you look at the box score, this game came down to one thing. Indiana hit eight threes. Iowa hit six. That's a six-point difference. Yep. Indiana wins by six. End of story. Drop the mic. That's where the game was won, right? Six, the the, the three-point line, of course. As we always know, it's going to be won at the three-point line for Indiana, right? And that's exactly, you're exactly right. They both took 22 threes. Yeah. And Indiana hit two more of them. Game of and, and that's, that's basketball. Go figure. <laughs> Why is Indiana State as good as it is? Because they shoot threes like it's their job, because it is their job. They've hit 229 threes this season. Indiana, going into last night's game, had hit 100. That's a difference of 387 <laughs> points. That's a lot of points. That's good math. I did it in my head. <laughs> I, I thought it was you unbelievable. did. I couldn't believe I came up with the number. <laughs> I, I don't think it's right, but I don't think anybody's going to check. But that's okay. <laughs> it, it, impressed, it impressed the hell out of everybody that was listening to it. It's like, God, Serling's a math whiz. Good God. Uh, hey, I, I'll tell you another stat that jumps out at me. Because this also tells me. What a guy! What kind of an impact the guy's having on the game? In other words, well, how, what levels he playing at? And it's the and, and some stat sheets don't have these two numbers, but it's their own personal fouls versus the fouls they draw. Do you know last night Khalil Ware had one foul and drew seven? That tells me wow. he's active and he and he's tough to guard. And I thought he played tough guy basketball as tough as Khalil Ware has been. You know, I, he kept limping over to the sidelines during timeouts. I thought, oh, no, you know, he, he's going to say, I, I can't go anymore. I don't know. I just didn't know whether he was going to be able to tough it out. And he did. Every timeout, he came back like he had a new ankle and came out and played kind of impassioned basketball. And, and it was really, really good. I thought it was a terrific night for him. 23-10 and 10 is really good for him. Three blocks. And you know what, and my son said this when we were at the game, he said, you know, if Ware got to keep the buckets he gets when shooters who miss shots are fouled, he'd score 35 points a game. 
And he's right. Every missed shot where there's a foul, like Galloway shoots, he's fouled, ball comes off the rim, and Ware just hammers it home. Yeah. It was offensive rebound after offensive rebound, but the, the misses were negated by the fouls, which was really too bad because you got the two, and he had to put Galloway at the line, and he can't hit foul shots to save his life. Well, you know what they need to do in that case. If that keeps happening, Kent, you send another note into the Indiana locker room and tell them, <laughs> drop off the pass. Quit trying to force the shot because it means the help side defense is coming over on the shooter and you should be able to just slide it over to where for that dunk. We know a lot about basketball, Brett. That was a nice uh, that was a, a good piece of information. We're brilliant. We just didn't wear the Indiana jersey and play back in the 70s, so we're not qualified <laughs> to be the dang coach. Uh, all right, so Indiana, next up, it is Saturday against Penn State. Hey, you know, you look at this schedule. Ohio State's been having some troubles lately. Penn yep. State coming up next. Uh, you know, Indiana has Northwestern at home. They got Nebraska at home. They go to Penn State. This next month, other than that that Purdue game, it's not a bad schedule for Indiana. No, I really like it. And and the only thing I don't like is that the Big Ten's down this year. And and I looked up this afternoon. I was like, you know, I seem to remember Nebraska having a pretty good league record and not going to the tournament. They were thirteen and five in two thousand eighteen in the Big Ten and didn't go to the NCAA tournament. And this feels like kind of a redo of 2018 to me. The the Big Ten's just not very good this year. And that's a great thing for Indiana, because Indiana's really not very good. But maybe they found something last night. Maybe maybe uh, Leal can uh, kind of, you know, drive the bus a little bit and, and get this thing back on the rails, as I mix metaphors. And uh, they wind up playing well enough to maybe win eight of their last ten and go into the tournament with a little bit of momentum. Optimism Wednesday has returned. <laughs> yes. Yes, for the big finish with Kent Sterling. Kent, always enjoy you jumping on with us. Have a great week. Enjoy the IU game against Penn State. We'll talk to you again soon. You're my favorite press. <laughs> Thank you. That is Kent Sterling joining us here on the Sports Rush. We've got to take a time out. We've got an abbreviated show today, so we got to get into our next hour because it's only a half hour because we've got Purdue basketball coming up at 5.30. Maria Marcasano joins us about 5.15. It's the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.